menticide, the systematic effort to undermine and destroy a person's values and beliefs, as by the use of prolonged interrogation, drugs, torture, amongst others, and to induce radically different ideas. All forms of programming are based in some kind of trauma. Hi, I'm Alexandra, and this is the fifth part of the Programmed series. If you've not watched all of the previous videos, please do so before continuing. Today, we'll be discussing the methods used in trauma-based programming, such as how they create dissociative identity disorder, then using those dissociative parts to program individuals. There's a lot of information about what monarch programming is, but very little about how it is done. Please take the content advisory seriously. This video is going to be difficult because the subject matter is unthinkable to most. If you believe that you have been subject to the Monarch Project in any way, please proceed with extreme caution or click away now. The terms and information in this video are complex and should be viewed in context of the subject matter. The term trauma-based mind control will be referred to as TBMC. I have removed the most extreme and graphic aspects of TBMC, so please understand that the reality is much worse than what we are going to talk about in the rest of this series. The start of the series focused on the broad aspects of programming, and now we're pinpointing to as narrow as it gets. Let's get started. The first thing I asked in this programmed series was, who built your frame of reference? An inadequate frame of reference results in an incomplete understanding of history. So much has been hidden or redacted from our past that makes us powerless to the atrocities happening in our world, of which most are unaware. Esoteric is a hidden meaning or private information that only a select group know about. Exoteric is the opposite of that, what is understood by the majority of the people. The topic of this video deals with the esoteric reality of our world many are entirely unaware of. Without this information, the world as we know it fails to make logical sense. It appears as either chaotic nonsense to the casual observer, or relatively fine to those who are asleep. Both of these assessments are anything but true. The first step in solving any problem is recognizing there is one. You also can't find a resolution by making excuses or ignoring it. First, you must admit there is a problem. MKUltra and its many sub-projects were discussed in previous videos. Today, we are focusing on what became of them, especially one project in particular, Monarch. All of the other projects and experimentation led to this. The purpose of mind control, which is a combination of brainwashing and indoctrination, is to compel victims of RA to keep the secret of their abuse to conform to the beliefs and behaviors of the cult and to become functioning members who serve the cult by carrying out directives of its leaders without being detected within society at large. So what do you get when you combine the elements of a cult and covert mind control experimentation? An undetectable underworld of chainless slaves. Who are the agencies involved in programming? As previously stated, cults, government agencies, and child trafficking rings are the most common, and most of them overlap. For example, the CIA fits all of these. MKUltra has evolved into what most call monarch programming, which is sometimes used as an umbrella term to describe all trauma-based programming and mind control. However, it is not officially called monarch programming. It's called 
marionette syndrome, trauma-based mind control, thought control, or designer programming. The monarch butterfly is the typical symbol of monarch programming. This is due to the genetic ability of the monarch butterfly to migrate. It's the fourth generation of the monarch that does this. Trauma changes genes, and these epigenetic alterations are then passed on to the next generation. This is also called intergenerational trauma, which allows the next generation to be programmed more easily. Through the years, monarch programming has become a blanket term for trauma-based mind control. Programming is still being implemented today. The methods have progressed as technology has progressed. Programming can be completed at what are called black sites. The following are quotes from documents confirming the existence of black sites. These are some of the noted government programming sites and where the institutions are located. China Lake is a base used for experimental weapons and programming. Some children initially begin their programming at China Lake, then are transferred to other facilities for further programming. Due to the earthquake in 2019 and the damage it caused to labs, TBMC programming has been limited while they are repaired. The Michelson lab was used for virtual reality programming and mirror programming. Due to China Lake's research, they have connections with many other intelligence programming facilities. Some alleged abusers, past and present, are listed here. In order to keep MKUltra from being easily detected, the CIA segmented its sub-projects, like Monarch, into specialized fields of research and development at universities, prisons, private laboratories, and hospitals. Of course, they were rewarded generously with government grants and miscellaneous funding. The names and locations of some of the major institutions involved in programming experimentations were or are listed here. And here are some others that include military installation and bases where maximum security is required. And some other places recognized as major programming sites. Different sites are used for different things. Some are for base setting, others are specific to near-death traumas. Types of scripts or implants being placed depending on the programming being created. I left a link to more comprehensive information on some of these sites in the description for research purposes only. Don't rely on just one single aggregate source for complete or up-to-date information. These sites were compiled in the early 90s, so many of them may have changed. This is not an exhaustive list, and many new sites have been created. Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio is a major programming hub. The base is central for alien programming, biological effects of high-intensity sound waves, and effects of frequency of vibration on human performance, to name a few. Programming at Wright continues to this day. 
Quantico is a trauma programming site. Quantico is where many of the elite psychiatrists and psychologists work or worked. This raises the question of why do the military and government program people? The most common answer is because the government would achieve complete and total loyalty to whatever cause they choose, which makes mind control one of the most powerful weapons in the world. Many other purposes exist, such as intelligence, infiltration, spying, combat, science, programmed sleeper agents, think Manchurian candidates for criminal work, terrorist activity, assassinations, slaves, presidential model message carriers, and the porn industry. Essentially, a subject who can be programmed to suit any agenda that's needed or that the government deems important. Military personnel can be trained to complete missions without fear or self-doubt. They could be programmed to feel no pain, they would have strength conditioning, and if captured, switch to another altar so the mission would not be in jeopardy. Children are used in programming because they are easier to program than adults. As you'll recall, the purpose of mind control, which is a combination of brainwashing and indoctrination, is to compel victims of RA to keep the secret of their abuse, to conform to the beliefs and behaviors of the cult, and to become functioning members who serve the cult by carrying out directives of its leaders without being detected within society at large. Now you can see how these two things go hand in hand. The goal is to control the individual, create altars to complete specific tasks without memory so the individual has the ability to function in society undetected, as well as keep the secrets of their trauma. Long story short, it's done for money and power. In order to create these final products that work in the hierarchy of corruption, the foundational ingredients of trauma, dissociation, and programming must come first. A line from the 1995 Batman Forever film says, A trauma powerful enough to create an alternate personality leaves the victim in a world where normal rules of right and wrong no longer apply. If the overwhelming traumatic event could not be taken in, it is dissociated. There is a split in experience. Experience that is too overwhelming to be assimilated will cause a division of experiencing and knowledge. Part of self-experience will be separated or split off from one another, and one part of ourselves will not know of other parts of ourselves. The result of trauma is dissociation. The actress Evan Rachel Wood explains dissociating during trauma. My name is Evan Rachel Wood, and I'm an artist, but I'm, an, I'm also a, a domestic violence and sexual assault survivor and the single mother of a young boy. There are two specific instances of sexual and violence I've experienced that really stick out in my mind. In fact, they are burned into my brain, branded there for life, a mental scar that I feel every day. My experience with domestic violence was this. A toxic mental, physical, and sexual abuse which started slow but escalated over time, including threats against my life, severe gaslighting and brainwashing. In this moment, while I was tied up and being beaten and being told unspeakable things, I truly felt like I could die, not just because my abuse said to me, I could kill you right now, but because in that moment I felt like I left my body and I was too afraid to run, he would find me. I froze, and it was as if I could see myself from the outside, and for the first time in months I felt something, utter shame and despair. I had no idea what to do to change my situation, so I went numb, and soon I couldn't feel anything. I wasn't alive. My self-esteem and spirit were broken. I was deeply terrified, and that fear lives with me to this day. Subliminal techniques used to control a person's actions, mind state, or thoughts include the use of words or language in a variety of ways, 
visual stimuli, or a combination of different stimuli. The intentional use or misuse or deprivation of information, electronic stimuli techniques, such as brainwave machines and e-weapons, the deprivation of basic human needs, such as sleep and food, and use of emotions to manipulate thoughts, such as guilt or fear. Hypnotic techniques or suggestions, rituals or role plays, the use of certain drugs, other techniques to induce a meditative mind state or specific movements or motions, like spinning. None of these are used alone. Instead, a combination of these techniques is used in trauma-based mind control, or TBMC. Programming has to be done intentionally and by trained people. Programmers have a programming book or laptop for each subject where they lay out the script early on and sometimes before birth. This is planned and deliberate. Larger abuse networks lack enough of the so-called professionals, and the few there are often help in several organizations or branches. One survivor of TBMC from Germany confirmed this by saying their father was brought in to help other cults and trafficking rings with programming. Drugs play a large role here too. Cocaine is a commonly used drug for controlling subjects as it keeps them addicted and totally reliant on their handler for their next fix. Marijuana is not commonly used as it makes a subject too relaxed. The initial process begins with creating dissociation within the subject, usually occurring from the time of birth to about eight years. Outside of the military complex and their methods, TBMC must begin before the age of nine. It is primarily achieved through the use of electroshock. This can begin as early as in the womb. Trauma-based dissociation is a disconnection and lack of continuity between thoughts, memories, surroundings, actions, and sometimes identity. The goal is compartmentalization of the brain via trauma-based mind control, drugs, hypnosis, and electric shock. Consider the way the electroshock collars are used to teach an animal to obey commands. This could be used at a much higher voltage on humans to force them to conform to their abuser's will. MKUltra, along with its many sub-projects, including Monarch, use a combination of psychology, neuroscience, and occult or unusual rituals to create within the subject various personas or parts that can be triggered and programmed. Dissociation is the mind's defense mechanism against the torture being endured. The fragments can be taken and programmed by a programmer, which will give each one things like its own personality, abilities, and languages for their use. These parts are sometimes called alters. Programming creates a system that is internal, or in the person's internal world. In program systems, alters are kept in their assigned areas, and amnesia barriers prevent them from accessing other areas of the system. Each alter can have its own posture, set of gestures, and hairstyle, as well as a distinct way of dressing and talking. Some may speak with an accent. This sounds dramatic, but most of it is undetectable. Don't believe the lie that switching is extremely dramatic. For example, two computers may look the same on the outside, but they run completely different software. The point is, you can't tell if someone is programmed by looking at them. DID is a disorder structured around concealment, not dramatic switching. Some switches may be more noticeable, but others may appear perfectly normal, but still experience slight switching which leads to confusion and disorientation in their daily lives. 
Hollywood and the media have done a great job fictionalizing the public's perception of DID. You can read about common myths debunked by the Beauty After Bruises blog, linked in the description below. I am not a professional. I am just a researcher. So if you or someone you love is suffering with a mental disorder or any form of trauma, I encourage you or them to find support with people that you can feel safe with and qualified professional help, possibly local support, as opposed to trying to forge a parasocial relationship with a most likely uneducated stranger online. Dedicated social media communities such as those for DID are toxic, they're full of misinformation, bias, and drama, as are the majority of social media communities. I consider online groups high risk for infiltration. Don't confuse interaction with true community and support. You deserve better. I also want to add that disorders do not define the people who have them. It's just a set of symptoms that can be managed or understood once identified. Also remember that not everyone with DID is a victim of TBMC, but the focus of this video is specifically Monarch, which is built around the intentional creation of structural dissociation. Dissociative Identity Disorder, or DID for short, used to be called Multiple Personality Disorder. Simply put, DID is Identity Compartmentalization. DID is misunderstood because it is buried in misinformation, inaccurate media portrayals, outdated coursework for students and practicing clinicians alike, and there's also an academic attitude of denial around its existence. Now, as we've discovered in this series, there is sufficient motivation for entire organizations to want to deny its existence, particularly when some of the founders and members of such organizations were accused of child sexual misconduct themselves. The truth is, this disorder should be called Traumatic Child Abuse Syndrome, or Early Childhood Trauma Disorder. Any situation that causes a child to dissociate in a chronic fashion and feels immensely threatening, which would include RA, SA, or extreme neglect, physical or mental, can cause DID. DID is a dissociative trauma disorder in which a survivor has undergone long-term, repeated trauma in early childhood. This trauma, combined with other factors, results in a marked interpretation of psychological development, especially regarding identity. The dissociation process results in differentiated self-states, also known as alters or parts, who may each think, act, and feel considerably different from one another. These parts of the mind, who may have their own name, age, and personality, are able to take executive control of the body leaving the other part without any awareness for the time they were gone. These amnesia gaps in memory can be for just a few moments, a few days, or even years. The alters exist to help the survivor cope with the unimaginable pain by holding it outside their awareness to the best of their ability. As a child, this is an amazingly creative survival tool, but for the adult survivor, this can be an extreme hindrance. Trauma is not the only factor in developing DID or other dissociative disorders. Genetics, attachments to caregivers, coping methods, and natural resilience all play a role as well. Trauma is the most overlooked root cause to many manifestations of illness, which are actually just symptoms of a deeper problem. Trauma 
and childhood also underlies many issues later in life like drug or alcohol abuse, depression, and heart disease. The ACE study outlines how the level of adversity faced by a child could affect them long term. What is traumatic to any given individual is best understood in light of the three E's, the event, the experience, and the effects. One example of an outdated understanding of DID is that the person's mind, or the core, shatters after exposure to prolonged trauma, causing these altered personality parts. The current understanding is the theory of structural dissociation, which states that DID results as a failure to integrate into one identity, not a whole that breaks, shatters, or initially splits. It's a whole that never forms cohesively. The theory of structural dissociation works off of the assumption that no one is born with an integrated personality. Instead, infants operate based off of a loose collection of different ego states that handle their different needs feeding, attachment to a caregiver, exploring the world around them. Over time, these ego states naturally integrate into one coherent and cohesive personality, usually by the age of six or nine. However, childhood trauma disrupts this process. Different ego states are left unable to merge with each other due to conflicting needs, traumatic memories, or learned action paths or responses to trauma. A dissociative mind is not a whole that breaks. It's one that just never came together into one fully communicating mind like it does for everyone else. Everybody starts out as scattered pieces when they're infants. Through childhood development, attachments are made, relationships become consistent, needs are met, and slowly those pieces begin to integrate into larger pieces. Over time, those pieces develop self-awareness and continue to merge and formulate one stable, solid sense of self. In short, DID is ultimately a trauma disorder, not a personality disorder. Many cults and closed groups use programming methods that don't lead to DID. Starvation, limited interaction, sleep deprivation, love bombing, and isolation are some of the methods used. These methods don't necessarily lead to DID. Designer programming, or monarch, is the forcible creation of DID as a means to an end. By no means is DID new. In fact, it was referenced over 100 years ago by psychiatrist Pierre Genet, who coined the word disaggregation to identify changes in consciousness which disturbed the normal, well-integrated functions of identity, memory, and thought in several of his patients. This term was later translated from the French as dissociation. Programming describes the deliberate conditioning of different dissociated parts of one identity that has been intentionally created through trauma that then line up into internal programming chains that is kicked off by a specific trigger and usually plays out in one outwardly presenting part. Let me give you a made-up example. During the winter, Christmas decorations are everywhere. The phrase, chop down the tree, is set as a trigger for an internal part that, when heard, will do some action inside or internally, like open a door or give a sign, to trigger another part that will then go to another part and trigger them, which may lead a return home part to come out and go back to the cult or group for a set date. A great deal of monarch programming, as well as the drug trade, is done under three major covers or fronts. 
religious fronts, like those that we discussed in part two of this series, national security in the military, as we discussed in part three of this series, and the entertainment fields, especially the country, pop, and rock music industries, as well as Hollywood. Programming is a method of mind control used by many organizations for covert purposes that's entire foundation is based on traumatization of the victim using RA and or terrifying occult rituals in order to induce dissociation. Once this occurs, an internal world can be created and alter personas can be programmed using tools such as music, movies, especially Disney productions, and fairy tales called scripts. These mediums enhance the programming process using images, symbols, meanings, and concepts. Created alters can then be accessed using trigger words or symbols programmed into the subject's mind by the handler. If that's not the most literal definition of mind control, I don't know what is. A logical question to ask would be, is the family involved? Family members may not always have direct knowledge of the details, but yes, they are complicit. They may be involved directly and indirectly. Family members may ignore bruising, bedwetting, sexual abuse wounds, other trauma wounds, dissociation, amnesia, and other trauma responses. Family members participate by upholding the secret atmosphere in which programming happens. They allow the child to be accessed by programmers or the handlers and many other abusive behaviors that may not involve physical violence to the child. Families can also be involved passively in the process by doing the following. Passive family involvement includes, but is not limited to, gaslighting, neglect, verbal abuse, starvation, sleep deprivation, and the silent treatment. A handler is the primary abuser and has the means to access the system or the subject. What is the difference between a programmer and a handler? A programmer's tasks are to traumatize the individual, monitor the structuring of the internal world, link programs, codes, place alters into their assigned areas in the system, ensure the script is known, the quotes for the script are known, recovery allowed for the trauma, balancing the system, the building and layering of a system, etc. Programmers will program several individuals as programming sessions are staggered. The handler controls the individual and has the access codes to the system, alters, maps of the system, and has limited involvement in the programming process as a whole compared to the programmers. The handler will bond with the individual, but doesn't inlay the scripts, levels, administer psychotropics for the programming session, etc. There does need to be a handler for TBMC. The handler will have the codes, triggers, names of the alters, map of the system, and means to access the alters in the system. For RA or organized abuse, there does not have to be a single handler. It is important to note that no two survivors' programming will look exactly the same. Each subject's experience is unique. Not just anyone can be programmed. Believe it or not, there are criteria in order for a child to be programmed. Some examples include the ability for dissociation. Programming must begin before the age of dissociation is passed. Family must be involved in the programming. Programming can be completed in a controlled environment. If you did not grow up in a cult, a large sex trafficking group, or a church that had full access to you most of the time and controlled your living environments, it is very unlikely you have been programmed. There are generally two different types of victims. One, a majority of the subjects come from multi-generational, self-professed Luciferian families or bloodlines and are programmed, quote, to fill their destiny as the chosen ones or chosen generations. 
end quote. This is no different than the royals who pass down memories and lineage through bloodlines. There's a spiritual and supernatural component to the bloodlines and genetics of both Mylabs and Monarchs. We discussed Mylabs in the previous video. This is not an alien concept. Consider the American mob or mafia. They operate in the underworld with circles within circles, and ranks and hierarchies. They pledge allegiance not to a country, not to laws, but to the knife and the gun. Bloodlines are very important in the roles of the mob. Second, third generations are very powerful. Just because someone is an adult, even if they have left the cult they were born into, doesn't mean the cult will stop trying to get them back in and use them for things like a transfer of power. Some victims are adopted out to families of similar origin. The pattern of family members affiliated with government or military intelligence agencies should be noted. Two, the expendable ones were the non-bloodliners, usually coming from orphanages, foster care homes, or incestuous families with a long history of pedophilia. Children can be raised by other families for programming purposes. Children can be from the child welfare system, adopted, foster families, children's homes, families can be blackmailed into providing a child, and in rare cases, kidnapped. Many of the subjects come from families who use religion as a front for their activities. Occult or butterfly tattoos are common on this type, as bloodlines rarely mark their skin. There is a lot of information out there attempting to answer the question of what monarch programming is, but I really want to drill down and clear up misconceptions and answer the difficult question of how. How is it done? In an attempt to answer that, I want to consolidate survivors' information and experiences as well as years of research in a concise way. The best approach to do this is to focus on just one book written by a survivor that combines a lot of information that can be verified through many other sources in one place. I'm going to give one final content warning before beginning this next part. The following section, while not visually graphic, contains descriptions of how the trauma is induced during programming. And don't worry, no one can be programmed via the internet or with random bits of info. I also will not be discussing trigger phrases or anything more sensitive. The following excerpts are from a 2014 book called Chainless Slaves, written by a survivor of TBMC, who was programmed via the military, both in the US and Europe. Their pen name is Oz, after the script used to build their system. Trauma-based programming can be defined as a systematic and calculated torture that blocks a subject's capacity for conscious processing. Trauma programming employs suggestion, hypnosis, and or classical and operant conditioning to implant thoughts, directives, and perceptions in the unconscious mind. The behaviors are implanted in trauma-induced associated identities that force the subjects to do, feel, think, or perceive things for the purposes of the programmer. The objective is for the subject to follow directives with no conscious awareness, including execution of acts in clear violation of the subject's moral principles, spiritual convictions, and volition. The primary factor for the trauma-based programming is the ability to dissociate. Dissociation is used as a defense to protect a subject from overwhelming pain and trauma. It is a natural ability of the brain. Installation of trauma programming relies on the subject's capacity to dissociate, pain threshold, and imagination, which permits the creation of new, walled-off personalities to hold and hide programming. Genetically predisposed dissociative children are prime candidates for programming. 
The subject's ability to dissociate is a major requirement, and it is readily found in subjects that come from families with multiple generations of abuse. Mental dissociation enables the handlers to create walled-off parts in the subject's psyche, which can then be programmed and triggered. The subject cannot be traumatized indiscriminately, or they will be killed. The master programmer has to know what they are doing. There will be doctors, heart monitoring equipment, and other medical tools used in programming. Programming foundation is completed in a clinically controlled environment to ensure entire control of the subject. The type of programming which is placed in a subject varies. The subject's creativity and their purpose in life would contribute to the uniqueness of the programming. Each subject visualizes differently and the programmer works with the subject's creativity. Some parts will be formed solely by the subject in order to cope with life. Each subject exists in their own circumstances. There are often common features in how they are controlled. The common features of control in subjects are symbols, colors, and scripts. The foundation of trauma-based programming is fear. A deep spirit of fear cripples a subject spiritually and emotionally. Guilt and shame are two more foundations for programming. The guilt will bind the subject to the programmer, handler, and other individuals who have been selected. This will lead to a loyalty that will make the subject less willing to disclose activities and past trauma. Programmers cause intense trauma to individuals through the use of electroshock, torture, abuse, and mind games in order to force them to dissociate from reality. Programmed individuals are used for different purposes, the sex industry, military, occult practices, and cults to name a few. Organizations have programmed subjects that are expendable. These individuals are used in smut films, one-time use saboteurs, breeding, soldiers, drug couriers, used in rituals, and for training and traumatizing other subjects. Subjects who have been given a designated purpose in life will have their genealogies hidden. They will have been programmed to have a cover life to ensure they will not be detected. Some children live in foster homes with adopted parents or with caretakers and guardians. Because these children reside with non-related programmers, these categories of children are commandeered to become program subjects of the intelligence agencies. Children will not question the synthetic reality they are introduced to. Children are conditioned to believe what they see, feel, taste, hear, and touch. Using these five senses, the programmer can control the child's surroundings. The experiences introduced to the subject will lead to an altered reality that the programmers can build and manipulate to meet their desires. Traumatizing an individual on a specific day, their birthday, Christmas, Halloween, for example, is more damaging as the date won't be forgotten and will occur once a year. Trauma programming on specific dates allows the programmer to inlay clocks for triggering desired actions. To make sure that the subject's mind develops properly, the baby will be interacted with so that those areas of the brain which are important for development will develop to the maximum. Common everyday items that surround the subject will be given unique meanings. The songs that the subject hears on the radio will have trigger words. The lyrics will be scripted so programmed meanings can be attached to certain words and lyrics. Something such as watching TV, listening to the radio, or a sermon may have trigger phrases and programming cues in them. If possible, the programming process begins in the womb. Allegedly, there must always be a minimum of two programmers working with a subject. This prevents a programmer from being either too severe or permissive or developing too close a bond with a subject. The higher the IQ of a given subject, the further they can be programmed. 
If the IQ is high enough, their abilities will be studied and the needs of the organization and determine how the subject can be further used. Once this determination is made, the subject will be brought to one of numerous facilities throughout the U.S. or abroad for further and final programming. Once the subject is programmed, they will be recalled on a yearly basis and given hypnotic reinforcement of the original programming, or new programming will be inserted to modify the original programs. If no new programming is needed, the reinforcement programming can be done on a mass scale. Hypnosis is used to steer a subject's mind in the direction that has been dictated for them. New patterns of thought, feelings, and behavior are inserted to build confidence in the goals of the programmers. Hypnosis is used to anchor suggestions about sleep patterns, panic programs, phobias, health healing programs, health problem programs, pain control, pain programs, motivation programs, a suicide program called Hypnosleep, an insanity program, and countless others. The mind links together a series of mental processes. These links are called K-lines. Much of what the mind does is activate various K-lines so the mind can focus its conscious thinking. Once a K-line works, the mind, in order to prevent itself from making uncontrolled changes, gives priority to those K-lines. If the mind did not set up a series of K-lines, it would continuously have to relearn unimportant tasks that would make it impossible to accomplish things in everyday life. Every skill would have to be constantly relearned. Emotions and needs trigger the mind to search out K-lines to accomplish a task quickly. During programming, the untrained K-lines are brought up to the top of the conscious mind. The programmer now has access and control over many or all the cognitive processes, including many the subjects would not normally activate. Under hypnosis, the mind willingly allows the programmer to change K-lines without the normal unconscious conventional restraints. Using behavior modification techniques, the programmer activates dormant K-lines and builds them into the mind. During hypnosis, the mind has made the decision to accept control statements from the programmer. The mind has abdicated its position as the one in control of what is vital. There are several ways to modify a subject's state of consciousness. The most useful one by programmers is to use a combination of drugs and hypnosis. Drugs are used to facilitate hypnosis. Modern drugs do almost all the work for the programmer. They place the individual in a changed state and distort many perceptions of the subject. The distortions induced by the drugs are used to the programmer's benefit. Hypnosis or hypnotic trance is a form of dissociation. There are a number of types of dissociation, amnesia, subject states, localized paralysis, anesthesia, and hallucinations. Hypnosis can reproduce all of these dissociative states. During the hypnotic trance, the human mind is at the pinnacle of its ability to quickly learn. What may take years to learn will be accepted by the subject's subconscious in a few sessions. The brain operates at several different brainwave patterns. The brainwave patterns here are listed from the most active states of our life to the most relaxing, beta, alpha, theta, and delta. The next part of this series will be an overview of these states and the internal programs of TBMC. A hypnotic suggestion given to normal subjects lasts about a week, so reinforcement is necessary. The programming suggestions are layered in using torture and psychotropic medication. The suggestions are protected dissociated parts. These scripts, which are layered in, are almost impossible for the subject to be aware of. The mind has the ability to create amnesia barriers. Hypnosis is an important mechanism to move the mind to different neuropsychological states and to get the mind to different levels of the subconscious mind. Hypnosis can also play a role in working around amnesia, since both are types of dissociation. Hyperventilation assists a subject into a hypnotic trance. 
depersonalization, fear, and acute anxiety stimulate the body to hyperventilate. Hypnotic cues are given to cause the body to go into various dissociative states. For example, a post-hypnotic suggestion that causes hyperventilation and the accompanying trance state. This will allow the subject to recall the programming they received in this state. Hypnotic cues that are tied to everyday objects enhance the programming. These triggers will consistently uphold programming throughout the subject's day-to-day -day tasks. The daily triggers will also prevent breakdowns in the programming. Some common objects in a subject's life that can be hypnotically given a programming trigger are music, tones, colors, the sight of a book or Bible, pyramid on the back of the dollar bill, pictures of God, silk scarfs, jewelry, lights, sounds, TV programs, and countless other things. Neurolinguistic programming is the evolution of hypnotherapy. Classical hypnosis depends on techniques for putting patients into suggestive trances. Neurolinguistic programming, or NLP, is a technique of layering subtle meaning into spoken or written language so the programmer can implant suggestions into a subject's unconscious mind without them knowing. From this point, the programmer will do two things, elicit and anchor. Eliciting happens when a programmer uses leading and language to engineer an emotional state. Once a state has been elicited, the programmer can then anchor it with a physical cue, for instance, touching the shoulder. A stimulus is linked and triggers a psychological or emotional state in the subject. The skilled programmer will anchor an emotion with several sensory cues, auditory, visual, and touch. The subject visualizes an emotional state from the past or is placed in an emotional state by the programmer. When the state is reaching its peak, the anchor is placed in. The anchor needs to be unique, distinctive, and easy to repeat in the exact form that it was done. The law of strength applies to the strength of the and the strength of the anchor. A stronger smell may be easier to associate with a strong trauma, which makes the anchoring stronger. Much of trauma-based programming is setting anchors into parts. Nine areas are monitored in the subject throughout programming. Once monitored, it is determined which needs are priority needs for the subject. Programmers will use what they call the depth approach to subconsciously gratify those needs in a way that gains control over the subject. In programming, these nine areas are identified as weaknesses because programmers and handlers will attempt to manipulate these desires for their own gain. They set up short-range and long-term goals and plans on how to control the subject. These nine areas are 1. Emotional security 2. Recognition of efforts or reassurance of worth 3. Creative outlets 4. A sense of personal power 5. A belonging somewhere 6. Immortality 7 ego gratification, eight, love in all its forms, nine, new experiences. The subject's peers, family, closest friends, and spouse are all involved in the programming. These individuals will reinforce for the subject the programmer, handler, family is good and has the subject's best interests at heart no matter how abusive the behavior. The individuals who surround the subject also reject and accept the subject based on their behavior. This reinforces that to be accepted, the subject must behave and follow the structure of the programming. Those involved also want to assist the subject in growing and understanding the goals set for them. The subject is surrounded by individuals who all dress alike, act alike, and use the same terminology. The subject will question themselves instead of the people who surround them because the subject is the one who is different. The uniformity and consistency of the individuals that surround the subject will help ensure compliance. 
No ideas are allowed for the subject to confront their programmer. This is to create behavior that ensures the group will maintain secrecy and work together. Programmers also use these techniques, including bonding with the subject, convincing the subject that they care for them. No one else could possibly understand them the way the programmer does. The following is a list of typical behavioral control techniques used in programming. Please take a moment to read them. One of the central functions of programs is to cause the subject to physically and psychologically re-experience the torture used to install the programming should they act in violation of the programmed commands. The most complex programs consist of personalities buried deep in the unconscious mind perceiving themselves, visually in images, and somatically in experiences like pain, suffocation, or electric shock, to be attached to or trapped within structures, such as buildings, devices of torture, machines, containers, etc. These structures serve as containers for the programmed commands, messages, and information. Programming continues to control the subject's thoughts and actions for decades, often for life, with no conscious awareness of the programming or of the personalities under its control, usually completing programmed actions unconsciously, sometimes feeling only a conscious compulsion to do or not do something. Programmers gain access to subjects of other groups and deliberately program over competitor groups' programming to dominate the behavior of the person. Attempting to remove or disable it without great expertise sets off program self-destruction and negative health, mental health consequences, all by the programmer's intentions. The creation of alternate personalities divides responsibility within a person. A programmer and handler will form widely differing relationships with the different parts. When programming begins, it must be simple enough that a child can understand. The child's creativity must be guided by torture and the programmer. The programmer, demons, and the child's creativity work together with the dissociation to create parts. All the programming of subjects is anchored in trauma. Whatever fundamental trauma is decided upon, all the rest of the programming will build upon that anchor in the subject's mind. I'm going to give you an example of a programmed system now using a chessboard. This is the best way I could come up with to visualize this information. This chessboard represents the mind of a system. Each altar, represented by these pieces, has its own trauma, memories, and tasks. The same way the bishop, knight, pawn, and others all have their own moves. They're all distinct pieces. Some are fully developed, while others are fragments. Inside a system can be a lot of conflict and opposing beliefs, represented by the two colors here. And not everyone knows of each other. Like, the white rook may not know the black knight, but the white king and queen are essentially co-conscious or aware of each other and what the others are doing. Programming hinges on concealment. The front parts will be given heavy programming to convince them that nothing happened to them and that they have a satisfactory life. 
they will be given fictitious stories about the programming so that almost every item in the system has a cover story to mislead a part about what is going on. That is all I'll include in this series. There is much more to the science of programming that is unnecessary to get into here. This is just a general overview. I strongly caution anyone who considers reading this book, as it is extremely upsetting and graphic. A link to common alters or parts found in DID systems can be found in the description below. Please take a moment to read these important characteristics of RA as they pertain to what we have discussed. Programming is not just passive, it also requires participation from the subject. There are double-bind situations in which the child is given two equally horrible choices, such as beat up another child or be assaulted themselves. Some more examples of double-binds employed. Because parts often have specific purposes, some parts can be created by programmers that are given negative, spiritual roles with names to match. For example, a part may be named unforgiveness, shame, or sin. For a part like this to trust someone, the part would feel it was giving up its name and therefore its identity. By combining the name with an identity, the programming intends to double-bind the part. Alternate gentleness with severity. If the person who claims to care for the subject harms them or abandons them to be harmed by someone else, the ability to predict what is going to happen vanishes when punishment is partnered with kindness. Control over their environment is stripped until they quit trying to think for themselves and submit to the environment around them. Before we conclude this video, here is a list of examples used in RA. Please take the trigger warning seriously, as this can be upsetting. But I cannot answer the question of how programming is done without addressing the physical maltreatment aspects. Unfortunately, this is not, by any means, a complete list either. For censorship reasons, I will not be reading these three specific lists out loud. These are some common symptoms of programming. Phrases that repeat, 
feel very familiar, have great emotional impact, trigger self-harm, dissociation, switching, inaction, phrases that tell the person to do something that would be dangerous, harmful, or unsafe, phrases that are not heard loudly, clearly, but that seem to be continually running behind the conscious mind. Often, the language will be formal. Suicidal and self-harm impulses and or thoughts that go against how a person truly feels. Feeling as if they have to do something without having a choice or see no other way out of a situation. Fear of water. Familiar common sayings, nursery rhymes, children's songs, or portions of popular songs are often cues or triggers for programming. They may be an indication of programming if the person hears them repeat on a loop in their head, making them uncomfortable but can't make them stop. The person did not grow up hearing them, but they persist inside their head. The person remembers them being used during abuse. Cult, violent words replace the regular lyrics, but the tune remains the same and constantly hears them repeat inside their head. Feeling of spinning, high pain tolerance, unusual scars on the body with no memory of how the injury occurred, dissociative symptoms, CPTSD or PTSD symptoms, items, food, symbols provoke a phobia response, repetitive robotic statements that do not make sense in context of dialogue, feeling unable to talk, Sudden, intrusive, violent, gruesome, or death-related images that appear in the person's head about themselves, someone they know, or a pet. All survivors, no matter how many parts they have or what experiences they have been through, can unlearn the abusive lessons of childhood and begin to choose how to act of their own free will. By no means is this easy, but it is possible. Programming is not permanent. What survivors need from others is patience, support, and understanding. The most important thing you and I can do for them is listen. The next part in the series is going to be a breakdown of various levels of Monarch or Designer programming systems. It will be a vague outline of what each level is used for and what it entails. Alright, thanks for watching this video, I will see you all next time.